Hi, I'm Monica Olson. And I'm Jennifer Walsh. And you're listening to the Biophilic Solutions Podcast, where every other week we sit down with experts and thought leaders across industries in order to explore the innate connection between humans and nature and why we need nature to thrive. We truly believe that in order to tackle the global environmental problems we're facing, we as humans must reconnect to the natural world and come to a better understanding of how we fit in and how we are so interconnected. So in every episode, we'll interview new guests that help us uncover and highlight nature-based solutions to get us on a path to greater health, tackling climate change, and ultimately getting outside and connecting with nature. So let's get to today's episode. Hey, everybody. And hi, Monica. Hey, Jennifer. So we're officially into the holiday season, and I don't know about you, but one thing I really love about this time of year is getting cozy and cuddling up with a great book. So with that in mind, we are back with another round of our nature-inspired reads. So Jen and I have both come to the table with a few different picks, and we've got a little bit of everything in the mix, from coffee table books that make great gifts to some more in-depth reads about nature and spirituality. Now, you might recognize a few of these authors if you've been listening for a while, and there are plenty of new names as well. Yes, and I'll just note that all these books are linked in our show notes, and they're super easy to find. Definitely. So, okay, let's get to our list of biophilic and nature-inspired holiday books. Happy holidays! Happy holidays. How is it that it is already December? (laughs) I cannot believe we're actually recording our book choices for 2023. We're doing it. We're back at it again. I know, I know. And our summer ones were so popular that we wanted to bring this back from last year. But not about you, Jen, but this year, I have a couple of books that are like book books. And then I also was thinking more about gift giving and how they could be like a stocking stuffer or more of a coffee table book. I don't know how you did your choices. That's a great point. One of mine is definitely a coffee table kind of book, which is kind of easy to read, which I'll get to, but I like the way you're thinking. Do you want to start with your first pick? I will. I will. And you know what? I may start with my coffee table book. Oh, okay. I can't wait to see. And we'll put all of these in the show notes for everybody. And we'll do some social so you can see what they look like as well. But the first one is called Wild, The Naturalistic Garden. And it's by Noel Kingsbury with these gorgeous photos in it. So this is a hardback book, tons of photos. And basically, this is a publication that got a ton of press. I think it came out in 2022. And it is going to teach you how to make a natural garden, right? And I think Wild is sort of a, I don't know, a term that we can have a question, Jen, like it's kind of a loaded term, right? 100%. Because what is wild, right? And when you talk about a garden, you know, all of that is typically pretty planned, right? So you do have an element of interference or design that suggests that it's not wild. But when you see these pictures, they're gorgeous and they're all over the world. I don't know how many, 25, 30 different projects. There's some in the US that are fun. So you could, you know, potentially go visit them. But it's just a uh, kind of like how we should have, uh, I think, our gardens and landscapings look like. You know, we did that wonderful story on Get Rid of Your Lawn. Yes. I think that this goes right into that concept. And so, 
Most of these are private gardens all around the world. And it really takes you through the vision, the philosophy, what the garden designer was doing. And then, like I said, insanely beautiful photos. So not only does it look good on your coffee table, it's got a beautiful sort of blown out wildflower meadow. But I think people are going to be really drawn to it because if you want to create something more naturalistic in your garden, this is the way to do it. And you know, Jen, actually, you know, it includes the High Line. Oh, well, it sounds so inspiring, even without mentioning the High Line. But I love that you mentioned the High Line, but that sounds like such an inspiring book. Just to see the visuals for me, when I see things, I'm like, oh, I can do that. I can make that. So I kind of love that. Yeah. And there's a beautiful one in Monterey, California, which you know, I grew up in Southern California, but it just seeing the pictures of like succulents mixed in with like all of these other plantings and looks like he's got like a bocce court. A lot of it is natives and gravel. So in that particular one, the landscape architect said that he really blurred the boundaries between the hardscape and the plants. So they all kind of spilled into each other. And he also said he just let a lot of them go to seed and they just kept propagating over time. So I thought that was sort of interesting to think about how you can create a naturalistic garden and maybe, and you know, it can be lower maintenance so we're not putting all these inputs like water and chemicals and cutting and mowing into them. So anyway, that's like my first book. And I think you'll absolutely love it, Jen. I don't know if you can see, I'm holding it up for Jen, but it's really beautiful. And we have it on our coffee table. It's sort of been an inspiration for us to redo our side yard, actually, Ooh. which I'm hoping to get to in the uh, spring. Hurry up, because I'm going to be there in a few months to see it that well. I know, I know. Maybe we can um, do some planning together. <laughs> I'll be there to help if you need a little, you know, I might not be much of a green thumb, but I would definitely love to help with your garden. You'll be a strategist. Perfect. I'll be the strategist for sure. Okay. So that's my first pick, which I think is a phenomenal gift for yourself or for somebody else. I love that. So my first pick is also in the same vein of a great gift and also kind of a coffee table, which is Design a Healthy Home by Oliver Heath. So Oliver's been a guest on the show and he's just so delightful. But this book is so chock full of information, just like his website is so full of information, but it gives you these tips. Like I think there are a hundred, yeah, there are a hundred ways to plan a biophilic home or biophilic space. And it's so colorful. And it's just beautifully done, like how we like perceive color. How do we think about light? How do we think about sound, water, like there's a whole chapter on water, there's a chapter on green, there's a chapter on water features, warmth, like there's just so much to it. You're like, Oh, I didn't think about that. Or I didn't really know. But the colors are beautiful. It's very thoughtfully well done. And the having biophilic acoustics. So it's really cool. There's like so many different elements to this, but it's very easy to kind of read. And again, very colorful, colored texture pattern and what biophilic design is and a forward by Oliver. It's like around 200 pages, but again, very, very simple, really beautiful. And you can kind of take from it in so many different ways to put into your home or maybe your office or your school or things to think about where you work. So I love this. Designed a Healthy Home by Oliver Heath. 100 Ways to Transform Your Space for Physical and Mental Well-Being. So that's my pick number one. Love it. So I'll continue on in sort of the gift giving. And so this next one is actually perfect, you know, probably fit into a stocking. It's a small book, but it's also a cute little hardback. It's maybe like 
three by five inches, and it's called How to Be More Tree, Essential Life Lessons for Perennial Happiness. And it's illustrated by Annie Davidson. And so basically, this is a little book that has 59 kind of life lessons that she has taken from the tree. And so you'll get all these each page or it's like a each section is two pages and it sort of has a drawing of the tree and then a little saying about what's different about this tree. And so I'm trying to flip through and to think about like the balsam fir is one of them. And there's a beautiful little picture of it that's an illustration and it says, be open to change. And so it talks about, and I'll just go ahead and read this if you don't mind, Jen. Please do. There's not much a tree can do about a sudden drought or a nasty cold snap. Jetting off on a sunny vacation isn't really an option. Trees have to accept whatever the universe throws on them and adapt to the unexpected. So they evolve to be flexible. Take the balsam fir, for example. It has worked out a way of surviving in northern latitudes while not dropping its leaves. It can photosynthesize all year round and has developed a thick and resinous sap that doesn't freeze. Sure, change can feel uncomfortable, but for people and for trees, discomfort can often lead to growth. <laughs> and so it's just a really sweet little I book. I love that. I know, I know. And um, some of the other isms, if you will, are beginnings are always small, and it talks about the Japanese maple, the yew tree, patience is a virtue, the aspen, draw strength from others. And it sort of goes on and on. And I just found it like a really sweet book. I think I picked it up here, maybe at Hills and Hamlets. And Clarkson Potter was a publisher. And again, this is also one that came out semi-recently. I think it was a 2020, but it's really sweet. It's about $14. It's a little hardback. And I just think it would be kind of like the perfect stocking stuffer for your biophilic friends. Oh, I love that. That sounds delightful. <laughs> but I do love that idea about, you know, weathering the storms. And what trees can teach us as humans uh-huh. connected to one another and plant species, like, oh, man, we can learn so many lessons, especially in the winter months from the trees. That's right. Thank you for that one. I love it. I think I'm going to have to look into buying that myself. Yeah. Okay. So my next pick is from someone that we care about very much, our dear friend, Phil Tab. So Phil Tab's new book, Thin Place Design, Architecture of the Numinous, came out a few months ago, and I just love this book. As you know, like it's usually Phil writes a lot of academic books. This is not as like thick or heavy as some of his previous books, and it's really beautiful. And it's a lot of it is about the numinous experiences. So I'm just going to read like two sentences I wrote here. Yeah, please. The numinous is defined as arousing spiritual or religious emotion. The term derives from the Latin numen, meaning a nod of the head now associated with arousing spiritual, transcendental or mysterious emotion. And I love this because it really goes back to a lot of Celtic roots about how the Celts, the Irish, my roots are very, very much around, you know, when heaven kisses the earth and these moments that are really moving and awe-inspiring and talks about the emotional awe, the beauty of awe. And so much of this is about color and light and luminosity and patterns, like tracking patterns, no matter where you are. So it could be in a very spiritual place, like a church, a cathedral, synagogue, but it could also be a sunrise or a sunset or somewhere that you weren't expecting this like really beautiful moment to just kind of transcend you to a different place of 
from where you were and just like this beauty, like this overarching beauty. I just love this book. I think there's so much to this that people are really discovering and exploring their spirituality in different ways. And I love that Phil really dives into this in such a powerful way and a very thoughtful way. And his designs about the sacred spaces, again, because he was a land planner there in Serum B. There's lots about Serum B in here as well. So I learned so much from this book, but also kind of like gives a nod to like, yeah, we're on that right path of our spaces and our places are so powerful. And we have to kind of pull back those layers of why we feel the way we feel in certain places. It just touches us. And why is that? Like, does it go back to a heritage thing? Is it a family thing? Is it just something within us that we feel so connected to a place? And there's real beauty in this book that I just love. And of course, the cover is from Sarah and B as well. I love it. And I love that you're the one pushing it. I did not push the Serenby book. <laughs> and we love Phil. And it really is. It's such a cool concept. Thin places that has been around that Phil is really bringing, re-emerging this concept into sort of culture. And I'm excited to see over the next year as he does more talks on it, kind of how that affects people in conversations. I really feel like this is such a big story that he's going to be in so many places in 2024 talking about thin places. He's so good at this. This is his baby. And I'm really excited for him. Well, the interesting thing is like you and I did not talk before we chose our books. Like we didn't, I mean, I think we did say, you know, to make sure we didn't overlap. You shot me a photo this morning, but we didn't talk. And so it's kind of interesting because my next book actually dovetails into that. It's kind of interesting. I wasn't sure if this was like a biophilic book or not, but I think I can argue for it. So it's called The Transcendent Brain, Mm. Spirituality in the Age of Science. And it's by a neuroscientist out of MIT, Alan Lightman. You know how we love a good neuroscientist. Um, (laughs) Yes, we And he is really interesting. You know, his whole concept is our humans are evolutionary drawn to beauty and nature, right? And we've all, we've talked a lot about that with like Dr. Anjan. And so he is really curious, how do these complex experiences emerge from what he thinks of as science, a collection of atoms and molecules, right? Which we're made up of. So what's going on? And so it's sort of starts to talk about like consciousness and everything. But what I felt like it kind of fit into what we were talking about today. So this is going to be like, it's a small book, actually, it's a hardback, but it's not that big. But one of the quotes is he gives an experience that he had with a bird outside his window, right? And you know, we had that like the wonderful conversation with Richard Louvre about connection to animals. And he's like, the connection that I had with this bird for a split second outside my window I was shaking and in tears after this experience. And he's like, to this day, I don't understand what happened in that half second, but it was a profound connection with nature. And he's like, I felt like I was part of something larger than myself. As a scientist, I couldn't figure out how to explain it. And so that sort of kicks off the book of thinking about, you know, it kind of goes back to thin places, these emergent phenomena and these experiences that are outside of what you might consider a purely materialistic, he talks about, not in I want a new car materialistic, but just in those atoms and molecules. And one of the things he talks about emergent phenomena, and Jen, you and I've talked about, there's an incredible area at Serenby that once a year, these fireflies do a synchronous flashing. And he's like, how does that happen? He's like, here are these complex animals and systems 
that it's not their individual thing. It's when they all come together and that they all start synchronizing, right? They find themselves in a field together and then they will start flashing at random times. And then suddenly after a minute or two, something has adjusted inside them and they are in complete synchronicity. So this book kind of goes into the history of what's spirituality or materialism, consciousness, the material brain, you know, and like what's going on in there. And so as he's a scientist, I thought it was really interesting of how he is trying to, you know, dig in and figure out, really investigate what is going on when we have these experiences, what's actually happening. And it was really like lyrical I don't know, read that isn't saying science is right or spirituality is right. He's just saying they sort of come together. And so this is a book that came out in 2022. And again, it's just a small book. I'm sure I found it just randomly at some bookstore and it just sort of attracted me. But I think it really ties right into sort of those thin places. Like, why do we have these experiences, these transcendent experiences? Anyway, Okay, I'm going to have to buy that for sure. Yeah, yeah. It was very interesting. That sounds so good. Okay, I'm putting that on my list. (laughs) I'm definitely putting that on my list. Everybody needs it on their list. Yes. Okay, so my next one, this isn't really nature-based, biophilic-based, but a lot of it ties into nature and quietness and stillness, a lot about what we talk about in the podcast. So it's the creative act, a way of being by Rick Rubin. So Rick Rubin has been on 60 Minutes. He's been everywhere this year promoting this book. And he is the music producer extraordinaire for the past 30, 30, 40 years. And I love this book because there is all about creativity. Each chapter is three or four pages, but it's more about inspiration. So what does success mean? Uh, Temporary rules, the experimenter and the finisher. There's just so much beauty and poetry in this, breaking the sameness. So how do we find inspiration outside of our day-to-day lives? And it's all around us. And he said that creativity is a God-given gift. Like we are all creative, but in our own minds, we shut that down as we get older and not really play into the gifts that we are given as children as and as adults, just be like, oh my God, let us be creative. Let us sing, dance, create food or music or words or businesses or whatever it is that really inspires us. And I love this one part. I'm just going to read it like it's called. It's always there. I'm strongly affected by the sun. When it's bright day, I feel energized. When it's gloomy, I'm gloomy. But on those overcast days, it helps me time and time again to tune into the fact that the sun is still there. It's just hidden behind a thick layer of clouds. At noon, the sun is high in the sky, regardless of how light or dark it is outside. In that same way, regardless of how much we're paying attention, the information we seek is out there. If we're aware, we get to tune into it more of it. And if we're less aware, then we miss it. So I just think there's so much beauty in this book that we can kind of rediscover over and over and over again. If you kind of keep it close by, be like, oh, yeah, there's so many nuggets of wisdom. But he goes back time and time again to just spending time in nature and being quiet, being in that solace of how nature speaking to us and to listen and to listen to the natural rhythms of the world. And I just, I found him actually on the Rich Roll show, I guess earlier this year. And I was just enthralled with his message. I was like, yes, that's, 
the art of being creative is a part of all of us. That's what makes us human is a creative aspect of all of us. So I just, I love this book. I highly recommend it to everybody. So I think it's a good gift to give this year. I love, love, love you brought it up. I have that on my bedside table. I also own it. I haven't, I've been reading through it because you can kind of almost pick it up and read a chapter at a time. Yes. But I don't know if I, I might've also heard him on Ritual, but you know, he has his own podcast, which is really interesting because he'll interview all sorts of people, not just musicians, but he will, you know, go deep dive into music with people, which is sort of interesting. He's a fascinating guy. And that book, I think, has been a huge success this year. So that's a great one. Yeah, I love it too. So uh, do we have time for one more, Jen? Yeah, serve it up. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay, so I have one more. And I don't know, I I guess there's like a tree theme here. But (laughs) this is like, I would say, sort of like another great gift. It's a beautiful book. It's a hardback but also wonderful just to keep by your bed. You can read a chapter at a time. And it is called The Language of Trees, A Rewilding of Literature and Landscape. I want to say this one was published, I think, in the spring of this year in 2023. It's a little over 300 pages. The author is actually an artist. She had been in the Venice Biennial. She has solo exhibitions at all sorts of museums around the world, from Bronx to Nevada, to St. Louis. And her work in general is really investigating the relationship between humans and the natural world. And so one of the things that she created was a tree alphabet. And so just like a typeface, right? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? And you have all these different fonts. People make different fonts. She created a tree alphabet and a typeface. So like A is an apple tree and it's the image of the tree is it designates an A and B is a beach and C is a cedar. And it sort of, it sets you up in the beginning of the book. And so for every story that's in the book, she has a piece of art adjacent to it that if you will, it's translated into the tree alphabet. So it's kind of just a fun um, side thing, but it's a combination of art in literature. And so she brought together all of these incredible storytellers, including Elizabeth Colbert, Plato, Robin Wall Kimmer, Zadie Smith, Radiohead is in here, Robert McFarlane, who we love. So on and on, there's over 50 contributors. And so again, real easy, some are poems and some are stories, but just wonderful insights into trees and why we need them. She's like wonderful language, beautifully illustrated. It's sort of a call to action a little bit if you look at the introduction. But I just love how she brought all these people together to write about trees. And I'm trying to think here who else is in here that we would know. But you just would be surprised at all of the wonderful writers that were included. They're just wonderful. And it just talks about all different ones. In fact, there was one where a university professor, there was a tree being felled in front of his office. And he went out and asked them for some of the wood and he cured it and ended up years later making a stand for his, I think it was a computer or books with it. You know, it talks about E.O. Wilson in here. I don't know. It was just sort of another one of those. I found it at a bookstore. You know, I'm always looking, going into that like nature section and just beautiful praise for the natural world in, again, beautiful book, kind of has this nice little cover to it and then over 50 contributors. So it's kind of a wonderful gift, but also would look great 
on the coffee table. People can pick it up and read one and put it down. I, I always I find myself more and more, and I don't know if that's too many screens, but needing a short story or you yes. know a moment with a book, having a harder time reading the whole thing at once. But that's another conversation. <laughs> that's another conversation, but I'm with you. I think there's like little tiny bits of inspiration. If we can pick up a book and read a chapter or read anything for a few minutes every night or every morning, it really helps us set up the day or close out mm-hmm. the day in a beautiful in a beautiful way when we start the day or leave the day inspired. I think that's the key. So those are some great books. Thanks for sharing those. Yeah. So we hope you like them and we hope you, you know, go pick a couple out or go find another book that sort of is focuses on biophilia and nature. And again, we'll list these in the show notes. And I think Jen, we're creating a section on the website where you'll be able to find all of the compilations that we're doing. We'll see if we can get that up before this comes out. If not, we'll get it up before the end of the year. Absolutely. And I love that as well, because we've had so many great guests and so many great books that inspire us that I think we have to share as much as we can out there. So I'm excited we have the list coming. So it's great. Yeah. And support your local bookstore. So we'll put a link in there for Bookshop, which is amazing local resource or wander down to your local bookstore, find it and uh, make it yours. Well, Jen, happy holidays. Happy holidays, my beautiful friend. I love spending time with you, even if it is virtual. And I can't wait to see you hopefully soon in the new year. That's right. I'm hoping to get up to New York in the first quarter. Good. All right. Happy holidays. See you soon. Thanks, everybody. Have a great holiday. Thanks so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we would love for you to follow us on your favorite podcast app. Give us a five-star rating and please leave us a review. It really goes such a long way towards helping us reach a wider audience and sharing these amazing interviews and solutions with the world. Absolutely. So thanks so much for following and reviewing the podcast. And we'll be back with another amazing interview in two weeks. You're now a part of the biophilic movement. 